Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Politicians need to understand, and sometimes we are faced with these kind of challenges. It is better to take today decisions that will eventually be not popular, but it will be essential to be able to shape the public opinion itself. Is this an argument being put forward by the UN Secretary General saying you can make unpopular decisions because you actually know what's best for the population? You should just do what you feel is necessary because you know better than the underlings beneath you. Well, there are two arguments here that are worthy of conversation. This, just another one of the conversations coming out of the World Economic Forum at Davos. None of this is about economics. This is about transforming your life and making it what they deem to be acceptable. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. Get on over there and be a part of what we're doing. It is free. And find me on Twitter, Tony Katz, and Instagram, Tony Katz. There is an argument to be made for the following. Not everybody should lead countries. When we abuse politicians in the United States, and we abuse politicians in the United States, I view politicians as cogs in a machine. The machine has to work, and the machine has to do two things. Leave me alone and protect me. Leave me alone, leave me to my own devices, and yes, as Article 4, Section 4 describes in the U.S. Constitution, protect us from invasion. Guarantee us a Republican form of of government and protect us from invasion. I, I believe that these are things that have to happen. We elect people to do the job of running the country so we don't have to be bothered with it, so we can go about our own lives and doing our own thing. We elect these people to handle this thing while we do the other things with the understanding that we can change the person doing the thing we elected them to do if we feel they're not doing it properly. The cog in the machine. I don't even say it with a bit of rudeness. I describe it just matter of fact. It's when I'm, I'm asked about Trump and, oh, my gosh, Trump's so important. You got to have Trump back. No, I don't. The idea that there's only one person who can do the thing, that's weird to me. You want to learn the lessons of Trump and have those spread around, the ability to fight, the ability to think outside the box, but it can't just be wrapped up in one guy. Because you're limiting your options and your opportunities. You're limiting the number of cogs that you can place into the machine. If I should ever run for political office, cog in the machine. But why would I be running for political office? Because I'm disgusted with what I see and I think I can make a difference. I'd like to at least try and make a difference. I'd like to bring a different voice in. I'd like to bring a louder voice in. I would like to see if somehow there is a place for a rational thought. When people run for office, everyone says, oh my gosh, what an ego. Yeah, you gotta have some ego to run for office. 
But this idea that we dismiss them all, anybody who would run for office, what an ego, too ridiculous. Someone's got to do it because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And that cog, their cog, sucks. So it's it's enough uh, of the kind of holier-than-thou attitude of oh, all these politicians. Dude, you got to put someone in the position. The machine's going to run. What cog do you want working in it? That's it. Stop being so personal. Being so like 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 religiously invested. Ask yourself cogent, competent questions that are um that that are at an arm's length. Impersonal questions. What is it that you need? Who can get you there? All right, you're the guy. I'll check back with you in 2 years. Bye-bye and go. Actually, you should check back in a few months. I mean, just keep an eye on the things. I mean, it's kind of important. Keep an eye on your employees. I mean, what else are they? They're employees. That's it. But we can we can say, we can be honest with each other. There are some people who are skilled. Some people who have minds. Some people who have thoughts and creativity and vision. And some people who don't. And we shouldn't dismiss the people who have minds. Maybe they've got ideas that we never thought of that can really help a society forward. And and we should take a look at them. If we had dismissed all the founding fathers, we wouldn't have a declaration, never mind a constitution. The declaration is the why of America, why we are the United States. The constitution is the how of America, how we run this thing. That is very, very different than what it is that's being discussed at the Davos World Economic Forum. Politicians need to understand, and sometimes we are faced with these kind of challenges. It is better to take today decisions that will eventually be not popular, but it will be essential to be able to shape the public opinion itself. Seems to me that what uh, the UN Secretary General is discussing here, Antonio Guterres, is that you have to, sometimes as a leader, make an unpopular decision because you know best. That is exactly what I don't want. Because he's making not an argument of cog in the machine, he's making argument of machine at large. See the difference? What they want at the World Economic Forum, and they keep saying it and keep talking about it, eventually you say something enough, I'll start believing you. They believe in a world government. They believe in total control. They believe that you must be guided by the nose because you do not know best for yourself. And therefore, you need them. You have to have them. Without them, you will suffer. Without them, you will fail. Without them, you will fall apart. Without them, you will die. No one should expect anything less from the elitist. I mean, I didn't even think I was going to get into more Davos stuff. I, it, it, it's happening, so um, uh, I'm covering it. Did you catch this piece right here from, uh, from Olaf Scholz? Oh, 
good old Olaf to uh, to save the day. Olaf Scholz, uh, German politician, chancellor of Germany. Just in case you didn't know, Angela Merkel, and then and then now uh, Olaf Scholz. Scholz is making a heck of a statement about how we have to move now to make our economy carbon neutral. The transformation, the fundamental task of our century is the transformation to a climate neutral economy. You know what happens in the climate neutral economy? You lose your rights. So when the elitist, like the UN Secretary General, says you have to make unpopular decisions today. Well, sometimes uh, a politician needs to make an unpopular decision. And then the people respond by keeping them in office or removing them from office. But that's our way of doing things, the American way of doing things. That is not the way they are describing it. They are describing themselves as the betters, you as the ones who need protection. They must do for you. They must care for you because you need this and you need that and you need the other. And therefore, the subjugation that you now endure is for a greater good. Aren't you thankful? You will eat bugs. For example, you hear this line a lot, and the people saying it are not are not wrong. You will eat bugs because we need to, uh, uh, you know, stop eating meat, and it's a good source of protein. And you'll be thankful. You will have less, and you will be thankful. Have you not heard of this before? This is exactly what they believe. You will have less, and you will be thankful. I believe the line was, you will own nothing and be happy. Because they never see themselves as a cog that gets removed. They see themselves as the machine, and you are the cog. The inverse of the American way of life, which is why we find ourselves so often at odds with how these people act and they are incredulous about our unwillingness to go along with their hatred because it is hate. It is hate. They believe themselves as the righteous rulers and they believe you as the person to be ruled. Not to have a seat at the table, but to be ruled with an iron fist. And you will be what? Thankful. You will be what? Happy. You will be happy as the cog. In our system, no one is forced to be a cog. No one is forced to be a cog in the machine. No one is forced to run for office. People choose to run for office. I just think it's wrong to badmouth every single person running for office like they're some kind of horrible person. You need the cogs. But you're not forced to do it. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to vote for the damn cog. You don't have to vote. You don't have to run. You don't have to vote for it. Man, our system is really based on the idea that people will contribute. They'll jump in. Feet first. Boom. Let's go. Pretty amazing stuff, actually, if you ask me. 
It's why our system is better than theirs, because as they are showing you, as they are proving to you again and again and again, what they are after doesn't make your life better. What they are after is your actual life. And yes, to use the same old boring phrase that's been used for millennia and the lives of your children. Why am I spending so much time talking about Davos? And I'm doing it, you know, a lot of tongue-in-cheek, a lot of laughter, a lot of it, ridiculousness. Uh, It's all very, very frightening. And the one thing that they despise more than anything else is that you might have an opinion. I've often said of the progressive left, the progressive left hates you for who you are and what you believe. But most importantly, they hate you for not thinking like they do. I've been saying this since I started radio. All right, I'm a man of a couple of political theories and ideas, uh, starting with my very first one, the enemy of least resistance. Why do people make fun of Catholics? Because it's easy. And Catholics won't rally up and then kill you. It's the enemy of least resistance. And you'll see this again and again and again uh, in, in, in your politics. They hate you for who you are and what you believe. Most importantly, they hate you for not thinking like they do. My brother, the good Dr. Katz, would comment about people who were living in fear uh, of COVID and they'd wear a mask and they'd stay at home and they'd want to scream at you for not being afraid. And and their, his, his theory is nothing makes the prisoner angrier than seeing another man walk free. And, and you realize there's a great amount of truth to this, this idea that, that during COVID, people imprisoned themselves. They, they thought it fine to sit at home and wear uh, their government-appointed gray garb and eat the mush that was given to them uh, through their government ration and await further instructions. If you want to know exactly how quickly a nation as powerful and as glorious as the United States can slip into that government-controlled communist model, you watched it, right? You saw it with your own eyes, and a lot of us were like, holy crap, that's frightening, truly frightening. But what bothered those people who wanted to be deathly afraid of COVID, I mean, I'm not saying protective of COVID, I'm not saying aware of COVID, I'm saying deathly afraid of the the radical lockdown people. They were infuriated and still to this day are infuriated that you might be okay. That you might not be afraid too. They hate it that you can walk around without fear or at least not the levels of insanity fear that they've got. They hate you for not thinking like they do. The people at Davos hate you not only for not thinking like they do, but for thinking that you would possibly know best for yourself. That's their job. Davos is truthfully a a um a job interview just the job is uh controlling the world and you and that's why you got to pay attention to it keep it right here i'm tony katz and this is tony katz today
So I did it. I, I took the plunge and I joined the ranks of millions and millions and millions of Americans. I went to Red Lobster. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I did the thing. I sat myself down. Red Lobster and me. I don't know yet if I regret it. I I, I am not so uh, sure. The video will be out like like any minute. Any any. Oh, of course I took video. I set up the tripod <laughs> right right there in the restaurant. It was me and a group of friends. Boom! I had the mic on. Everything else. Uh, I, I treated it a lot like uh, Super Size Me. You know the movie where the guy eats nothing but McDonald's for a month, and if they're like, would you like to supersize that? He's like, yes, right? So anytime they say, would you like this? Oh, yes, I would. Would you like that? Yes, I would. Would you like the the baked potato stuffed with lobster? Yes, I would. I had a bite. No, I would not. I will admit that the the potato did not work for me. That did not work for me. But I, I got the shrimp wreck, which is like a Bloody Mary. It was actually pretty good. I, I'm not even a Bloody Mary guy. It was actually pretty good, uh, and then and then of course the the Cheddar Bay biscuits came to the table, and uh, some of the people at the table thought they weren't hot enough, and they demanded fresh Cheddar Bay biscuits, and so more Cheddar Bay biscuits came. Uh, it's good. I don't think it's the uh, worship at the altar that other people do, but I also don't feel that way about In and Out Burger. Oh my gosh, living on the West Coast as I did for a while. Everybody and their mother. Oh my gosh! In and Out Burger. Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. No, no, no. Carl's Jr. is better. It is, uh, it's Hardee's here on the east, west of the Mississippi. It's Carl's Jr. and it's better, and it's better, and it's all there is to it. And I'm willing to fight you about it. Uh, the Cheddar Bay biscuits are good. I get why people like them. I get why people buy the mix and make it at home. Absolutely. And I tried it in the butter, and I tried it in the ranch. I, I did all the things. And then it was it was uh, shrimp, oh, crab rangoon stuffed shrimp and coconut shrimp, and then we ordered a side of shrimp scampi, and I, 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 I got Walt's shrimp, uh, which is basically fried shrimp. It's basically what it is, fried shrimp, and it came with cocktail sauce. And then it got, I got the potato on the side thing, and we'll just leave that to the side. Walt's shrimp, I, I, I made this argument earlier, should be sold by the bucket. It's not that it's the best fried shrimp I've ever had. It's that the breading on this is it's not breaded it's 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 more of a buttery thing and so so therefore what 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 you get is just something you can just pop in your mouth repeatedly and I ordered it's, it comes in a dozen and they're like would you like six more well yes please so 18 of them they should sell them by the bucket and the bucket should have a little carve out for the tails they're missing out on an opportunity uh, so I, I did it. I did Red Lobster. I survived uh, Red Lobster. This morning has been, for the most part, okay. Not great. Not great. There's been moments of uh, discontent in the belly area. Um, but uh, but I, I get why people go, and um, I, I did it, and I'm glad. And I'm looking forward to Red Lobster being a sponsor. <laughs> I'm telling you, Walt Shrimp by the Bucket. That would work. Just trust me on these. Trust me, I know my bucket shrimp. Weird thing to know, but, you know, everyone's got to have a skill set. 
TonyCats.locals.com. That's where you find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. So the battling in Ukraine continues, and there has been more and more, well, I would say large-scale fighting, maybe large, just large-scale in that we're hearing about more and more damage. There was a helicopter crash in Kyiv uh, that killed 18 people, including Ukraine's interior minister and three children. This, according to Ukrainian authorities. But there's still a back and forth that I'm seeing in the reporting that makes you ask where these missiles came from. How did this helicopter get shot down then there's the conversation that somehow it's been a warmer winter than was expected and that's going to mean an earlier offensive in the spring is that why they replaced generals for the russian side to engage an offensive but how much of an offensive can it be if everybody knows that it's coming you have ukrainian troops on u.s soil in oklahoma right now training on patriot battery systems and i'm somebody asking How quickly can you train somebody up on these systems? Is there any possibility, as bothered as I would be about it, anywhere that someone's going to suggest U.S. troops in Kyiv or in other parts of Ukraine to help run these systems? And what are the Europeans doing if they believe an offensive is coming? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired United States Army military analyst, both radio and TV. Let's start with this helicopter crash because when I talk about some some major things happening of major scale, well, a helicopter crash uh, in Kyiv that's killing the Ukrainian interior minister and there's a question of how this thing got shot down or how it came about, that's a top-line story what is it that we know about uh, this helicopter, and has this caused a change in perception of the situation? Tony, I, I don't see this right now that it's been a sign of an attack. I, I know there's been mixed reports on this. Uh, we, we saw actually CNN reporting it was initially a horrifying attack, but but now I think the reports are showing it's no sense of foul play. It looks like a terrible accident. Uh, low visibility. It is winter time there, and and this is what happens in, in combat where. You do have these kinds of accidents, and, and people need to move around the battlefield and the, and the like. But it doesn't look like there's a sign of attack. It, it would to get in that part of of Kiev, uh, missile would have to be completely very accurate to you know come from possibly Belarus or someplace or no place on the ground. So I, I think it's going to show that there's really no sense of foul play, but just a terrible accident. Yet immediately when something like this happens, all you'll hear about is look at the attack, and of course people utilize these things. To, to get opportunity, get sympathy, get dollars, create uh, time. And, and if you're the Ukrainians, you're going to try and use this as a way of rallying the, the, the forces. We keep hearing about this idea of stalemate. There's a stalemate going on in Ukraine between, between the Ukrainians and the Russians. But you read other people and you read between the lines and people will say, stalemate, what in the world are you all talking about? As you see it, as a man who is an expert who's been studying this now for over a year, uh, what is it that we're looking at? Yeah, no, it is a stalemate, and I'll tell you why, because it's become an artillery war. So a stalemate means that the front line has been fixed. There's literally trenches that exist uh, miles on each side of both lines that have become no man's lands, Um, and artillery, thousands of artillery rounds are getting lobbed 
back and forth uh, against each side on a daily basis. There's been no offensive operations to move. Um, so from a military perspective, you have both sides trying to figure out when to take the next advantage. Ukraine can't do it because they can't go on the offensive. They don't have the vehicles to do it. The, um, the Russians can, are looking to do it in a few months as they try to mobilize and get more forces there. But, uh, but until something changes on the ground, um, it's the artillery war that we've seen back during World War I. Never thought we'd see it 100 years after, but that's the situation that we currently have. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. You can find him on Twitter, M-A-J Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J Mike Lyons, on uh, the, the, the Twitter box. Let's go a little bit deeper uh, in, in into this, as you say, it is a, a stalemate, and you start discussing the idea of, of artillery war. The, the, the part two to that has been Russia is getting ready for a major offensive as things warm up. Maybe that's why we saw that change in general that you and I discussed last week. Mm-hmm. Is it your view, uh, the view of the experts you speak to, that a major offensive is coming? And what to Putin is a major offensive? Right. I think it is coming. It's coming uh, in the east, in the area where Solidar Arzbak moved those areas, Krematorsk, uh, areas where that Vladimir Putin knows he has uh, the side of some of the civilians that are there. And it's been areas that they've occupied fundamentally since 2014. He just has to get equipment there and he's just got to move it there to try to take it. If, if he feels that he's ever going to stop um, for whatever reason, He's not giving that area up. It's a high industrial complex. It generates lots of revenue for Ukraine. That's one area that he has to have. It also provides that land bridge to Crimea, which you and I have talked about, I believe, is the Russian Alamo. I think that they'll never give that up. I saw articles that say that in order for Ukraine to win, they have to take Crimea back. I just don't see that happening. I've, I've discussed that uh, with a bunch of different folks and the fact that that's, that's the place where Russia potentially escalates to de-escalate with that nuclear weapon. Um, ideology that they have. So I, I, I believe that you're seeing Russia try to attrit the Ukraine military. If, you, if Ukraine is smart, they don't get into these battles, but they're, they're being forced to and defend areas like Bakhmut and, and Solidar, which have no real strategic impact. And they need to kind of, if Ukraine needs to withdraw from some of those areas, Russia is trying to, uh, to probe and to see Ukraine take losses Why they rearm and refit over the next few months. So I noticed two things also happening here. Um, You have the story that the Canadians are pledging 200 armored personnel carriers for Ukraine. We know that the United States has uh, put forth uh, the Bradley uh, fighting vehicles, which are not uh, tanks, as I constantly get reminded of, but rather uh, they are these armored personnel movers that do have the ability uh, to to fight back. As this mm-hmm. goes on, and you talk about an offensive coming from the Russians, it doesn't seem like the rest of the world is giving up on this thing. It seems like they're doubling down and tripling down, and I don't understand how our contributions, contributions from Canada, other places simply aren't overwhelming the Russian forces. What am I missing? Yeah, because they're still coming in small tactical contributions, and right now they need division level, much, much greater level. The Bradleys and the tanks, for example, the the Bradley fighting vehicles and the APCs they're providing them provide Ukraine 
uh, military much more, let's say, survivability, but they don't provide the shock effect that's needed to go on the offensive, which is what those tanks would, would do. Um, but also, if we started tomorrow and said we were going to do this tomorrow, you're not, you're not seeing a tank there for 90 days. And, and who's to say that you're going to have a trained crew that's going to fall in on that, t- that tank? These, these are complex combat weapon systems that are, are just not, you know, you know, lays in blaze, so to speak. They, they're going to take time to do training. We're, they're sending Ukraine soldiers back to Fort Sill to train on the Patriot missile system, for example. That's going to take months. It's going to be months before that system, those systems are in place there. Well, it's the same thing with the tanks and even the Bradleys. The, the Bradleys, again, provide the, the Ukrainian infantry, the front line in the trenches, more survivability, but, but still not the way to go on the offensive. It's just, 20, it's just not there on time. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of talk, but it's not there. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army West Point graduate. I want to move you over if I can. I, I, it came to mind, and, and I want to ask you about China and a specific question regarding GDP. I know it's, it's economic, not necessarily your wheelhouse. But we were told that the fourth quarter GDP, gross domestic product out of China, was 3% which in the United States we'd say, hey, a nice growth rate. In China, that's a horrific growth rate. That is going backwards. This is a nation that very often needs 7% GDP just to keep up with those coming out of their universities. We also know that China lies and lies repeatedly and aggressively as all communists lie. Things economically are not good in China. Has any of this led to reductions, slowing down, in going deep blue in the military that they're building, people now concerned that China will have a larger navy than the United States, and the larger navy always wins, or at least that's the the basis of of, of history. Do these economic woes um, ha, are, are there ways that the military is considering capitalizing on? And would you know what some of those ways are? No, no. Uh, the military, I know, is not stopping the the they're quietly trying to pivot more of those resources, recognizing that we likely could be outgunned uh, in in the Pacific. Uh, so, for example, instead of having one carrier there, uh, you're going to see more focus on two carriers in the region. Uh, and that way, should China decide to do the unthinkable and, and attack a carrier, they have to go after two carriers. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're doing more. We recognize that that's where the long-term threat is. We're watching Taiwan also arm itself, and I think Taiwan is doing, telling the world that, that we're going to do what Ukraine did. We're going to defend ourselves for a certain period of time, but we're going to need help. And once should the Chinese be dumb enough, frankly, to attack the United States in, in, that, in that area, then now you've got NATO involved, frankly. You've got all those other countries that would, that would have to be involved. So you've got, you've got the world war, unfortunately. But, um, but no, I, I don't think we're, we're putting our you know, cards down or whatever the expression is with, when it comes to um, Chinese military. We recognize that they hold a, a numerical advantage on so many different things. But, but and while they have a billion people and you can't manufacture a billion bullets, let's say, you know, that war is going to get fought on the sea and that fought there. Um, and with the resources of Australia and with South Korea and with Japan, um, I think China is starting to realize it's going to be not uh, not the pushover that Russia thought Ukraine was going to be as well. 
But there's a question as to whether or not China can take a punch, right? Now, we talk about some things going on uh, there in the Pacific, and we know, uh, according to Military.com, that the Air Force is moving fighter jets from Germany to Okinawa, and the Pentagon is pulling older F-15 Eagles uh, to try and bring more modern aircraft to the Pacific. Now, some of that is because of what's going on in Ukraine, or so they say, and they don't want to risk injury uh, to these aircraft, or it has something to do with the fact that, hey, let's just show China exactly how many things we have uh, to to fight with. But there's a question as to whether or not China could take a punch to the face. China has yeah. never had a moment in modern history where they actually had to put up or shut up, and they took a punch to the face, and we got to see, as the world, how they respond. There is a theory out there that China actually is a paper tiger, that once punched in the nose, they would fall apart. They wouldn't know what to do. They rely on the bark of the, the communist bark, and they haven't ever experienced the bite. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's, it's, it depends. If you look at history, that we've seen that before happen with uh, militaries uh, when they get into the close battle. But China might try to fight this not uh, kinetically, First and foremost, uh, they fight it cyber. They fight it in different ways that'll give them confidence. Uh, people I talk to in the military are most concerned about those hypersonic missiles that the Chinese have because those are the things that can't be defended against right now. Currently, we can you know talk a good game, but th- those are the really things that we can't worry about. So I think it's going to depend on how China fights this, and they're they're going to likely make kinetics, and that's the you know close arm combat. The last, you know, kind of final straw before uh, they do anything else. Recognizing that that if they start with that, if they start the tough guy act, and if they start, you know, using the, the those other military assets, uh, that it could go south very quickly based on um, the, the the allure of battle and based on what what happens in combat. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, M A J Mike Lyons, L Y O N S, M A J Mike Lyons. On the Twitter box, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Let's not forget, the press corps is angry at Joe Biden. Actual seething anger. Guys, you guys can ask me this a hundred times, two hundred times if you wish. I'm going to keep saying the same thing. I hear your question. It's been asked. It's been answered. It's been noted. And we're just going to try to move on here uh, and we're going to move on. Yes, but the press isn't going to move on because you are not giving them answers about all the classified documents that have been found on and around Joe Biden's places. His office there at the UPenn Biden Center, his private office at the UPenn Biden Center, his home and his garage. And you can answer the questions you choose not to. And you have deceived the press corps. I just want to make sure that people understand the argument that I'm making to the extent that it's actually making an, an, an argument. We're not talking about the talking heads. The talking heads, they are going to defend Biden no matter what. The press corps is a different beast. We're talking about the actual quote-unquote journalists. Now, sometimes they don't act like journalists. I'm not saying no. 
But they've been lied to by this administration, led astray by this administration. They're not getting honest answers in the administration, and they can't stand Corinne Jean-Pierre, who can't do this job. And when they hear stuff like this... I provided, I provided the information that you all had at the time, and I confirmed. No, I did not know. I'm saying I had the information. I actually said this to Cecilia. I had the information that you all had at the time. Right. And so this is why I also said to Cecilia, this is why we are trying to be very prudent here and we're trying to be very consistent and say this is an ongoing uh, legal process. And this is why I say we're just not going to comment from here. That is a perfect example in Cecilia's question. And I was very clear about that. Uh, When did you learn about the documents found at the Penn Center in November and in Wilmington in December? When your team was was uh, doing a story on it. I didn't know about it until the press told me about it? You mean you weren't told? You were kept in the dark? Who else in the Biden team was kept in the dark about this happening? You mean you didn't tell your team to be able to figure out how you were going to explain this and talk about this? How you were going to share this story? Being able to have the answers for questions you knew were going to be asked? And these are the adults in the room? They didn't care about giving an answer to this story because they don't care about the answer. And the press corps is infuriated by that because they don't get to get answers. And they keep getting stymied on the questions that they're asked because this administration doesn't care about their questions. This press corps is angry with Biden and hell hath no fury like the press corps scorned. Just wait for it and wait for them to turn against the talking heads on CNN and MSNBC. That's going to be fascinating. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. TonyCats.Locals.com. That's where you find it all. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.